Depending on what we're putting in it, it'll smell one way or the other. Urine, by the way, if you haven't had anything fancy, has a sort of a nutty smell to it. And that sort of tastes like that, too. 48 minutes of dogs barking. 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 Growl. What a way to start a show. Welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> 48 minutes of T-cells uh, barking. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, I told you that one of the alternate titles I had for the episode that, that just came out was uh, No Viral Loads. <laughs> no Viral Loads Refused. <laughs> so, so, Jason. Yeah, on, Brian. On a more serious, somber note. Mm-hmm. Uh, a co-worker told me something yesterday that really concerned me, and I figured I should share this with you. Okay. Um, did you know that Tashara Jones, our beloved mayor here in St. Louis. Did you know that she's been taking money away from white kids and giving it to black kids? I figured you should know this, seeing that you are the father of white children. Yeah, father. No, I did not know this. What's the? How did this happen? How come? How could a just God let this happen? I think what it is is that you're like a white guy from Eureka. And mm. you're incredibly, incredibly mad the idea of a city county merger because <laughs> you're a fucking white bread podunk county and township go from like the 200th mm. safest county or whatever in the country to like then the 16th. Mm. My property values. My property values. You know, yes. one of those white guys that only ever comes into the city for like a baseball game. Right. And then they complain about like their gun gang was stolen out of their car, and they like you know, but they had like every single fucking sticker on their car that says like, "Hey, free gun." Yeah, <laughs> come and take it. Well, they took it literally. They literally, yeah. they literally took your fucking Taurus. Your fucking four hundred. Why would you have a Taurus to begin with? That's because, fucking because yeah. like because these guys can't afford Glocks. Like if I were if I were that's fair. Own, if I were going to own a pistol, like Glock seventeen minimum. I'm owning the cheapest piece of shit 38 special you can find because I'm, oh, I'm not made want, of money. You, you, want, you want the person you pull that gun out on to be like, this guy has nothing to lose. Right. <laughs> like, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no illusions here. Like, this is, no one's no one's walking away with, from this with their pride. <laughs> pride, fingers, whatever. I'm oh, fucking dude, you looking. Got, you gotta have, like, the grip has to be wrapped. Oh, yeah. Black like, electrical tape. Yeah. <laughs> Or I was going to say, like, rubber bands. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rubber bands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're not talking about some plastic. No, no, no. No, no this no. gun, this no. gun is, this gun was forged from suffering. <laughs> I'm spray painting that handle with whatever black lacquer <laughs> I've got lying around. <laughs> We're not fucking around the, here. The, yeah, the, 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 your element of surprise is the person you pull it out on is going, is that a gun? Ah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> before they can even think the it's fuck like, is that <laughs> yeah so well, that's that, if I was to purchase a weapon that would be what it would be uh, I, I you know for, for home defense around here really the only thing that's been truly effective is a metal baseball bat that's really all I've really needed like, that's all my my dad Ferguson that's all I ever sure he ever had was like a baseball bat behind the door and he's like if things ever get froggy 
I guess that'll do the trick. And I'm like, okay. Well, I worked at Blockbuster, um, like on like Friday and Saturday nights. I think we closed at like 11, if not midnight. And um, one night it was just me and our, my key holder, me and her close up, we're counting drawers and stuff like that, you know, doing the tills and all that. And there's this customer who was a kind of a regular, we call him Gucci Mane because he like was wearing, like was obviously bootleg Gucci. <laughs> in the finest, the finest of... North County. Yeah, yeah. Where it, and like showing up in like his fake like Gucci like polo. What he did was we were like because it's we didn't have a customer in like probably an hour. Like it was a really slow evening, and the door out. If you remember a blockbuster, usually there was a yeah, it was an indoor and an outdoor. One in, one out. But the way the doors were, that outdoor, if you applied enough pressure on the inside of the metal, like so, in the inside metal, like uh, by the glass, mm. if you had good enough grip and good enough hands, hand speed as it were, <laughs> you could uh, open up that door and walk in. Good. Because um, usually that was like the last door we locked. Because it's a one-way door, right? In right. theory. And so it's like 10 minutes, 15 minutes past close. And me and her just humming along, counting the drawers and shit. And all of a sudden, he goes, hey, guys. I can't remember, but I'm fairly certain I threw something at him. It was just, oh, like, yeah. the fuck are you doing? Right. <laughs> yeah. and like, I'm like very meek. So, um. Have you listened to the AAS record? Uh, you know, I have not. I, 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 for some reason, put that off. You talked about it to me privately. I am a big AAS fan, so you, you can't necessarily write me off just yet. But I will admit, you know, Mosquito, not Mosquito, their finest hour. I just, that, that, that was, was kind of like, well, I don't ever have to care about this band anymore. <laughs> that is kind of how I felt. Well, you know, at the time I was still volunteering. I used to volunteer at a local... A radio local station, radio station yeah. here uh, called KDHX, and they are a all volunteer. So I was not paid to do this job, but I would put together a two-hour radio show. Well, it's not like they could have paid you if anyways. That's that's fair. <laughs> but, well, well, that's a that's a story for another time. Yes, I think it is. that's a and so yeah. I was I was doing volunteer work, and I think that was right about the end of my tenure. Right about when I decided that you know what, it's this is no longer worth it. I wrote them off. I guess that 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 was the it only was, thing I could say. This is, it was like the second Black Crows record of indie rock, mm. in my opinion. I, I think, as I told you, I felt like a record that stunk of, like, we're just getting through the contractual obligation. Yep. And I'm sure if you remember reading, uh, like, that infamous spin <laughs> article that came out before uh, Show Your Bones, it's like, oh, these, they all hate each other. Yeah. They don't send each other birthday cards. <laughs> like, like, that's just the vibe. And apparently, like, some things are good now. I don't know. Like, there's some interviews where Karen O seems like a, a much more wise woman and all of these things and seems like they, they patched she made the effort to patch things up I did hear the, the lead off single which is the spitting off the edge of the world terrible lead off single you think? I 
things. Okay. Because I liked it. I think in the general context of the album, which it belongs to, I think it works and it's fine, but it's like when that single dropped in the music video directed by Koei Kuchil, mm-hmm. the guy from Shun, who yeah. also direct, who's done a lot of stuff for you guys. He did the artwork for... Um, the first yeah he has record fever to tell fever to tell he's a fucking crazy amazing artist in his own right um he directed the music video for spinning off the edge of the world and for the follow-up single which feels like it was put out very quickly because they realized like a slow tempo jam shouldn't be the new york noise revival bands like that song right but i think the Album as a whole is pretty enjoyable. I, it's it's been a while since I've listened to a record to the point where I got sick of it in one day. The day it came out. That's yeah. There's an interesting sincerity to it. It feels almost confessional. Right. Very uh, intimate. I felt there was always a little bit of ironic detachment, which was always part of kind of like that New York sneer. Uh, yeah, the po- uh, the post pre post whatever uh, rockist uh, scene in the early two thousands, the the post nine eleven rock and roll scene in New York, the Strokes and all that. Yeah, yeah th- that made sense. There's like only one song on there where it's like this feels like a young band wrote it. Everything else feels like it's been being performed by older world weary people that are now much wiser and yeah. thoughtful which is a really nice change um it, it's actually like cool it's like most times when a band shows growth it's like no go back um, <laughs> but, uh, but for this like oh this is really neat yeah like oh, i told you you should fucking listen to it yeah yeah um, i did you were like you were like oh this sounds like a good metric record which is i like, did yes yeah. i did say that yes uh metric has put out uh, also a, a new record that's really a phenomenal called doom scroll yeah also that's... i mean the past Friday is probably, I'm going to say, probably the last hurrah for labels trying to have themselves a great fourth quarter all at the same time. Right, yeah, there's a lot of of stuff. Um, New York. This this kind of leads me into one of our first bits of actual news-ish things. We talked about this offline. This happened during the recording of our last episode. I shit out my doo-doo ass. Well, there's that, but also <laughs> that Coolio passed. Yeah, um, that's. Uh, I I had seen this while we were recording the last episode. We were recording remotely in our individual bunkers, <laughs> and um, I saw it. And I didn't want to bring it up during the recording because I thought it would make us both really sad. I posted about that on Twitter, and I don't think people understood that I was being sincere about that. Yeah, I, th- I think there might have been like because it's you. Because we all know... The first rap album I ever bought was Coolio. So, like... Damn. Yeah. Which both makes me sound old and also what was, like, a kid in grade school buying Gangster's Paradise doing. Right. Well, I mean, you got to think about him, too, though. Like, you know, he grew up in, like, an outskirt of Pittsburgh. Yeah. And then moved to California. He moved to Compton. He started rapping at 15. Yeah. So, it makes sense that tweens and teens of our era would identify with that you know what I mean like the the apex of his career he was very good at reaching across different age groups and demographics like he everyone knew who the fuck Coolio was he you know like if not for like you know a couple singles if just for his appearance and his personality I remember one time my brother just sent me you know on AIM just to show you how old this story is 
he's just like, yo, check this out. This shit's crazy. And it's just a YouTube of Coolio doing like his own version of a cooking show. And it's just like, it's like, all right, I'm gonna show y'all motherfuckers how to cook a stick. <laughs> yes. Like, Today we're gonna do some charity work, okay? We're gonna find a college student, a hungry, broke ass, malnutrition, top ramen eating motherfucker. And we're gonna teach him how to cook a healthy, inexpensive meal. Hey, there's one right there. He looks hungry. Hey, dude, are you hungry? Let me holler at you for a second. And guess what? He showed those motherfuckers how to cook a steak. Oh, there's just like an interesting sense of humor to it. Like, or whether it's been a vegetarian since like the mid 90s. So like for him to be like, yeah. hey, check out this guy cooking meat. <laughs> it's it's got to be some, pretty impressive, yeah. A primo video, yeah. So like, and this was because the only and the only other guy that I learned to cook a steak from was Gordon Ramsay. We were having yeah. a whole conversation earlier about Gordon Ramsay. So Coolio passing, age fifty nine, seems really young for for a guy who kind of seemed ageless. Yeah, yeah, and like he always seemed like he was keeping himself busy, always doing stuff. Like I mean. I think he did Gathering the Juggalos at least a couple times. Who wouldn't? It's such a it's such Clownist, a vibe. Clownist, our own Elvis Presley clown impersonator. <laughs> it's one of those things where I try to explain to people who aren't hip to that. Shit, right. Or people that aren't from St. Louis. Like, actually, one of the best performance we have here is a guy that dresses up like a clown and does an Elvis impression. And people look at me like I've just been eating lead paint my whole entire life. No, it's great. There's a series of videos called Clown Vist to the Rescue. He recorded them during the pandemic. He he has guests on. I think it's he's off. still doing it. Oh, is he still doing? To some it? extent. Fantastic. Yeah, Clown Vist to the Rescue. By all means, uh, we'll put a link in the show description. Just because. He's so a hoot. Maybe we get him on the show sometime. That would be fantastic. We'll have to reach him. We'll have to reach out to him. I'm trying to think like who else would go to gathering? Tech Nine. Tech like Nine. Tech Nine. Didn't well, Too Short do gathering? I'm sure. Uh, I had a internet acquaintance who was a real hip hop nerd, and particularly with nineties hip hop. Mm. And like some like stuff like late eighties. And he was like one of the first guys I knew in any capacity to like stop ragging on the gathering of the juggalos because it was like these guys really know their music they really know their hip hop history and they're pulling people out of retirement guys right. that haven't performed in like 10-15 years and like you know they know their history they know what's good and so it's like yeah why not you know you book Tech Nine so you can also book like you know I Honestly, shit to I. There was a before my time, but I knew enough to be like, oh yeah, that's old school. Like they brought two live crew through. They had three six mafia before they were huge and after. Afro man again before he was a big hit. I'm gonna argue that Afro man was never a big hit. <laughs> at my college, at my college, he was. I okay, mean, that, that's yeah. yeah. You know, they they brought George Clinton and, and Parliament yeah. through on a, on a gathering tour. So I mean, like. Far side, fat boys, like they've done everything. Everything. You, Danny Brown, which who we still are, are still uh, big fans of, like, but like Raekwon did a did a set. Yeah, I mean, doing the gathering is probably a badge of pride for most musicians. Before it was probably like, well, this is the only thing the agent can. Do. <laughs> uh, another thing that that has been grabbing attention lately is a a library mascot, Brian. Brian, are you familiar? It's called Tumblr. <laughs> it has blue hair. Yeah. And uh, it does typewriter poetry. Yeah. 
Parents in the UK, this is from the New York Post, are debating over the right time to tell children about the birds and the bees and whether aliens are gendered. Uh, England's Hertfordshire Council is being blasted for swapping out its Storytime Library Bear, which, again, it was just a blue bear. And like a workman's shirt yeah it was just doesn't the, seem like a bear that reads no and, and <laughs> like, so that's your first problem with your library mascot <laughs> it doesn't really encourage the act of reading or, or and, participating in things it encourages working at the at the iron you know <laughs> smelting <laughs> the, 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 is this is this did this bear come from the coal mine library <laughs> man thatcherism <laughs> is just still alive in this country <sighs> so campaigners stated that Tala, that's the name of the, the, the genderless alien Tala, who uh, does use they-them pronouns and is non-binary, was transgender, and they claimed that the policy was an effort to, and I'm quoting here, push gender ideology. Now, how the hell a cartoon alien pushes gender ideology is beyond me. It's beyond most people with a functioning brain, but here I we are. Think, I think about so many cartoon characters, like from my childhood, that were like space aliens or like not like necessarily humanoid, and they just really have like a defined gender. You called it like maybe a he or a she, but didn't have like a big swinging dick or <laughs> right, alien right. cartoon titties or anything. It just it it just feels like a culture eating itself alive, and not having anything meaningful to ponder. Or consider so everything that's outside of this very narrow field is a threat and it's you know it's, it is like a Tucker, Tucker Carlson bit so they made the alien not have a boob <laughs> or a penis what's going on there in the UK well yeah because there's a my f- called cigarettes f- right so Maya Forstetter who herself had won a wrongful termination suit against her employer after she posted some turf shit online. Turf, for those of you not in the know, is a trans-exclusionary radical feminism. She's one of these gender-critical people, um, which is a big movement in England now. And she's leading the charge online. And for like five or six days straight now, she's been railing against this. Which is the biggest non-issue that I think I've seen in a long while to bubble up out of what other podcasts have lovingly called Pedophile Island. <laughs> just, like, just so, it's funny, you got to the point where you got to get specific. No, the northern one. Right. Not the one in the Gulf of Mexico. And to be very specific. No, but like Ghislaine Maxwell's from there, so that's like, yeah, that's... how pedophiles and islands have a lot. They do have a, yeah. They go hand it's in a hand. Big, it's a big thing. So... Forstetter is quoted as saying a mother with her baby daughter messaged her. So this is like not only secondhand, but like thirdhand. It's quoted in the New York Post that Forstetter said that a mother said to her. So yeah, that's that's three sources. Bookstart Bear has been retired and replaced with Tala, a trans bear who uses they them pronouns. I cannot express how upset I feel why do children need this? Uh, why do you why fucking care? Why do you care? Kids don't give a shit. <laughs> Not a single kid I have ever run into. And again, I have two of them. None of them care about yeah, the, any the of this. The only time a child really cares about this shit is because, guess what? Someone the parents do. Someone indoctrinated yeah. them right. 
into 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 that behavior or into that 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 line of thinking. So, because most kids, you tell them like, yeah, whatever. Like, it, it, yeah, okay. Because it's not a, because we're living in you know we're living in the present day. It's not like it's not as though mores and and social norms are what they were forty years ago when we were children. You know what I mean? Like some people are still living as though it's the eighties, and that you know these these things that we maybe in the eighties might have seen as odd or unusual or transgressive are this huge deal. They're not anymore, and that's just the way of the world. You can't put your own shit onto your kids. I think that's so bizarre. In a bit of lighthearted news, Brian, I have finally tracked down a guy whose face I've seen a lot in the past 20 years I've been on the internet. Yeah. A guy who we only formally knew, at least in my circle of friends, was Sergeant Chowdown. Have you seen this guy? Brian, I'm showing you the photo of this guy. Oh, from oh, from the exchange. Yeah. yeah. So okay. So as it turns out, man, he is just like he he just got done killing an Iraqi family. <laughs> and he's like, you know what? I need a I hot dog. A <laughs> I need me one of them glizzlies. Glizzy. 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 He, he he was Sergeant Glizzy Guzzler. <laughs> Well, Sergeant Glizzy Guzzler has a name, <laughs> as we find out, through the courtesy of the ExchangePost.com. Doesn't look, doesn't look like there's white phosphorus on that. No, <laughs> no, there is not. So there is a name to go with the face. I'm sure you've seen it online. It's a gentleman who is a darker-skinned guy, again, close-cropped military haircut. He is enjoying the shit out of a hot dog with a single stripe of mustard down it and a soft drink in his hand. That photo apparently was taken quite a uh, quite a ways ago, but um, the gentleman's name, this really amused me, his name is Robin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> and so... I have yeah, a lot of this family, but well, we'll try it. So Robin Williams <laughs> And oh. since two thousand four is when they took this photo, the exchange post put a, a post up because it was National Hot Dog Day. Yeah. And I never knew that this guy was like real. I thought it was just some actor doing stock photo work, but apparently he was New to the exchange, and they they asked him, "Hey, um, we're going to replace a photo on the menu with somebody who's current." They took a photo of him, and it made its way online. I've seen this guy referred to as Sergeant Chowdown for the past eighteen years. Amazing! <laughs> I didn't think it was like in the guy who was actually in the army, but but here he is. You know, um, he he kept. Just going to work. And then later, he kept hearing from other people who were like, we love your picture. And he thought, okay, well, it's just in my local group. It's just in this... Lo-. But no, it's every exchange, every... Every base. Every base, everywhere. His photo at Shopettes, which were the places that you'd go to get yeah. chow. It's phenomenal, the fact that for 18 years... I thought he was an actor. I thought it was just a guy. He's a real ass dude. He's a real ass dude. Real ass, real ass dude of the week. And his name is Robin Williams. <laughs> oh, no. Isn't it so perfect? 
the world just, you know, it doesn't make sense, but sometimes it rhymes. Speaking of rhymes, Brian, it's Crypto Scam of the Week time. Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah, we're getting into it. What's the Crypto Scam of the Week there, JJ? Well, I got to say that the big one that really hit for me was that Coinbase users, now Coinbase, of course, being a major crypto exchange, Coinbase is a place that you would go. Arguably ex- the biggest crypto exchange in the U.S. Probably. Like them in Binance. Yeah, I would, I, would, I would say that. That's that's pretty safe to say. So, yeah, this past Sunday, Coinbase users were unable to carry out any bank transactions in the U.S., which means that for about six hours, Coinbase was locked down. And that was scary times. Well, yeah, because, um, you know, you expect that for... For something like that happening for like a sketchy exchange, some fly-by-night like, group, yeah. Like, um, right. Yeah, I saw this. I was. I mean, I don't know if that's a liquidity issue. I mean, Coinbase has had some problems. Famously, uh, I think Jim Cramer tried to pump the stock, and the stock has since nosedived. Yeah. I think pretty much anyone who has bought Coinbase stock. Is underwater. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to ever see big returns on that sort of investment. Yeah, that's. I'm not surprised that they haven't. Had, I mean, SEC seems like any moment they're going to just boo-foo all the coin yeah. guys. And also, I think that really hurts Coinbase. Is I think that all the founders and important people there that when they got their stock. They all immediately yeah, fucked dumped. off. Yeah, they all immediately dumped it, which is is never a good sign in business. When everyone finally gets that stock they work for, like it's not like they sold ten percent. <laughs> it's dumped it all. They, yeah. yeah, just like oh, fuck, this is garbage. It's like if someone it's like if someone just hand me like a bunch of Nilla wafers in like a garbage <laughs> bag, I'd be like, ah, where who can where can I just leave this? I don't yeah. feel bad. it's back in the alley. Thankfully, for those who still had a majority of their interest or their their savings there, it was resolved shortly. But yeah, it was um, four to six hours. I mean, the day before they had you know gotten five hundred seventy two million in trades over the previous twenty four hours, and then suddenly they couldn't do anything. That was a pretty pretty dicey moment. That's pretty sketchy. Yeah. Um, but speaking of the SEC, you mentioned them earlier. Well. Our good friend of the program, Kim Kardashian. Oh, we'd love to have her here at the tower. <laughs> we would love. We would love to have. Come on in. Come on uh, in. We won't smell bad. <laughs> like, I can't guarantee for myself, but I'm sure Brian won't. Anyway, I, the uh, <laughs> I showered. I showered thoroughly. <laughs> Speak for yourself, Kim Kardashian. The SEC came after her for. Let me guess. Let me guess. Okay. She promoted a crypto project that ended up being a huge scam. And let me guess, let me guess. Okay. She didn't let people know that she was being paid for this promotion. That's pretty much it. It is a $1 million fine to settle federal charges that she recommended a crypto security to her Instagram followers without making clear that she was paid to do so. So that is part of it. So she must also give up the quarter mil that she was paid for the Instagram post about Ethereum Max. 
Oh, I forgot about Theramation. Yeah. That was some hot fucking garbage last summer. Indeed. So not only does she have to pay the the fine for not disclosing, she also then has to pay back what Ethereum X paid her. So it's 1.3 mil now. Right. And then it really is interesting because this follows on the heels of Steven Seagal. If you remember, Steven Seagal had to... This is the next doge, by the man. So Steven Seagal paid 300000 as part of a similar settlement with the SEC and was banned from promoting crypto investments for three years. Now, that was in 2020, so 2023, we can fully expect... Steven Seagal to be back at it again. I feel like we're going to see a lot more of this stuff coming down the pipeline. Well, especially with uh, you know Matt Damon and Tom Brady and Reese Witherspoon and Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, you name it. I feel like they're probably in the clear. You think so? I think so. I think because they most all their shit was like with Crypto.com, right? So I think fortune favoring the bold. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. I think they're going to be okay. I think, because uh, I don't think they've done any crypto promotions outside of that. I think a TV commercial is usually a production with standards and practices of a certain level where I don't think you get caught up in that. Yeah, like I guess. an Instagram tweet or Instagram post or tweet, you know, you don't really get as a celebrity or influencer, whatever you do, um, usually have a minder that that shit goes to. <laughs> Brian. Have I ever told you that I don't want to grow up? I want to be a Toys R Us kid. I've heard similar things. And that there's a million toys at Toys R Us for me to play with. There is. No. But you know what? I imagine <laughs> the one thing that Toys R Us doesn't have hmm. is NFT. Oh, but you would be wrong, Brian. Son of a bitch. You know who Gary V is, right? Unfortunately, yes. Also known as uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Vaynerchuk. Vaynerchuk? How the fuck do you say his name? I don't know. I think that's why he goes by Gary V. (laughs) Because I think every... If he didn't go by Gary V, this would be how he would be introduced. Right. Vaynerchuk. Vaynerchuk. So, Gary V brought his uh, V friends over to the fine folks at Macy's. And later to the fine folks at Toys R Us. Sick. Wait, no, that's bad. That's very bad. Gary V's NFTs are called V Friends, and vinyl vinyl toys, much like your, your Funko Pop. Thank you. And uh, plush toys and whatnot through Macy's and Toys R Us, which is relaunching with all Macy's locations in the U.S. The toys are based on the 10 total V Friends characters from the NFT collection. Practical Peacock, Willful Wizard, Patient Panda, etc. And of course, the Jeffrey from Toys R Us is included as well. Um, These are all like the the crusty friends. I want right. Rich Uncle Skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's very bizarre. Like this this is this reeks of something that has no reason to exist. Well anything that Gary V does has no reason to exist. Sure, we we sure. have that kind of built in idea. The, 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 this this idea was already <clears throat> already baked in. We just upon it. We saw we saw we just helped this idea along. And the idea here is that like, oh, you know, V Friends is gonna come along with some physical goo gaws or whatever. It's still Gary V. 
it's still these guys that we know are kind of sketchy. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, oh, well, collectors who own the NFT of any character being turned into a toy can claim a free version. Bullshit. Give that a month, and that's going to be done with. I, that, it's, it's Gary V's whole deal. Just the idea that that's happening is just kind of like, okay, all right, man. Believe it or not, but... Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's, they're always such weird fucking promises. There's one last thing. Yeah. The I wanted to talk about the list. Mm. Because I think this is really fascinating. So, the list is a project based on Ethereum that promises to out and chastise all bad influencers and callers in the crypto space, particularly on crypto Twitter and Telegram. And this is an interesting little dealio because this isn't the first time someone has tried this. There was something called War on Rugs last summer that had the same aim. And, um, you know, I think they took some valid shots at certain individuals and certain projects. But War on Rugs guy, he launched a alternative to Safe Moon. I can't remember what the fuck it was called. It was something that was very much a sound like the Safe Moon. And once he realized that project had petered out, he decided he was just going to rug. So wow. he rugged for, I think, a couple million dollars in liquidity. Sure. Or, or, if not millions, a very considerable amount of money. And shut down all of his socials, killed his you know Twitter account, killed his Telegram channel, and just left people in the crypto spaces going, wow, you just can't, you just can't really trust anyone. Because <laughs> like, this was a guy that was supposed to be a good actor, a good Samaritan, and then he did exactly what he criticized so many others of doing, which was promising safety, a roadmap, that I'm here for the long run, and then he just fucking pulled liquidity and disappeared, tornado cashed out, and all this shit. All the classics, yeah. It's almost like your greatest hits. So what's really interesting about the list is that the catch is they've already put out their first list, which is about, I think about a dozen or so names. There's some people I've recognized. And the thing is, the individuals, the team behind the list, have said we've got dirt on all of these people. And if you're one of these influencers, and if you don't want to be named and don't want your dirty laundry aired out, you have to shill us. Oh, wow. I guess that's working the room. Yeah. That's just kind of knowing what your target market is. And they already went out and uh, called out one influencer. I see you've got that pulled up. Yeah, it's Gooby. Gooby. Yeah. What we got to say about Gooby here? Well, uh, Gooby was involved with South Park Thugs and Psyduck and the Triple Eight. Um, South Park Thugs was listed as Gooby's own project. Let's see. He see he raked up all the marketing funds, running into the hundreds of thousands of dollars for money that was supposed to go to marketing, but of course it went to him. It, it went up to two and a half a mil for a market cap, but Top Wallet started selling right after the, uh, the the initial coin offering. I don't know if it was actually called that. I don't think it was called an ICO at the time. So they probably yeah. gave vested tokens to callers and, and influencers to, to get the word out. And then, because that that's what will happen sometimes in these projects. They'll be like, hey, we gave 
X amount of tokens to callers and influencers, but it's vested. They won't be able to sell for 24 hours or two weeks or something like that, so they won't necessarily dump on you immediately if things pump. But yes, was things like what you're describing here, it's not uncommon for insiders or friends of the devs or the devs themselves to be a thousand X up technically on what they were given and just all of a sudden just kill liquidity and then get the fuck out and right on to the next thing just just uh, dump right at the right at the peak apparently gooby continued past 2001 into 2002 he had at this point I mean uh 2021 and the 2020 oh, i'm sorry about that yeah you're right you're okay. uh, I was <laughs> My my uh, rationale and uh, capacity for numbers continues to go down. But over 2021 and 2022, Gooby had raked up millions of dollars in money earned by calling, scamming, and dumping, yep. which was a very common phenomenon. If you're familiar with the YouTuber CoffeeZilla, he describes that very regularly in, in, in all of his videos, call, scam, and dump. Well, that's exactly what Gooby is reported to have done. He claimed his wallets got accessed by a hacker who sold all his tokens and transferred it away. Oh, but wouldn't that be so sad if it happened more than once? Well, it did. Uh, He never got hacked. And this is, again, backed up by a lot of info from the list. Yeah, and he, some of the stuff you can just look on the blockchain. Right, you know, it's like it's like reading the code, the matrix. We know <laughs> all of a right. sudden you can create a narrative rather easily out of it. Well, here's here's what really got him was that Gooby owned a board ape yacht club. Oh, that's oh, right. All my apes are gone, and the sky is gray. So, (laughs) (laughs) if you own a board ape, you can report it stolen. It gets frozen from sales, but he didn't. He did not report Mm -hmm. it stolen, as someone pointed out. There is no reason to report this, because... It wasn't stolen. That's right. Because (laughs) he is... Ape JPEG worth hundreds of thousands of dollars for some reason was not stolen because he had control of these funds the entire time. That's right. So he was able to cooperate with the dev and uh, he staged basically his own draining to make it appear as though he had been hacked. Yeah, I've seen this before. And this is probably the least slick I've seen. <laughs> yeah, pretty sloppy, gotta be honest. I mean, the, the thing about crypto is that there's a paper trail. Right. And, yeah, you can spoof the paper trail, the create narrative. But if you... People can go on an Explorer page and read all of your shit and see what's happening, <laughs> see where the money's going. Right. Yeah, so I, I we'll probably touch back on this. Yeah, because it's bound to be a, a, an evolving story. Just because the list is not done with just talking about Gooby. Gooby is, I think, the tip of the iceberg, as it were. Based on the amount of tokens we're talking and, and bored apes we're talking, like just this is one person among many who have either done this, been complicit in this, or had some sort of means, method, or motivation to do this. Yeah. Uh, what I'm interested in is what dust up this will create in the crypto community, if any, 
and wonder if legal repercussions will come from this, um, which is always an interesting side effect of some of these uh, things being brought to light. Uh, most importantly, I'm wondering if this project is, even if it makes good on ousting bad actors and bad influencers and all that, will they rug? I don't even think the project, last time I checked the market cap, wasn't even over 100k. I think it had to hit over 100k for that Gooby thing to have, but obviously right. it hit it. People sold. We'll see where it goes, see what the next goal the team sets for the next big thread. But there's some stuff on here that's some, you know, if you're going to fuck with crypto, that is, uh, it's worth considering <laughs> right. going by influencers. Uh, I'm going to read a couple of tweets here from the list uh, Twitter account here. When you launch a project as a dev, you DM influencers to make a deal about a tweet, Telegram, or YouTube post to market your project. Influencers get paid crazy amounts for this, and 99% of influencers get paid so much money they don't even care about the actual project, but simply want to take your money. As we've seen with Gooby, most of them one, buy, two, call, three, dump. 99% of influencers never say no to any project offering them money, and very rarely even read the description you sent them. So, uh... When you're following um, the Moon Carl or Bitboy <laughs> or some guy with Eric Cartman on the cross <laughs> as his Abby and shit like that, or, or a rare Pepe, like know that, that that's kind of what the deal is. Because um, a very common thing I've seen in call channels is like, oh, get to, you know, subscribe to my my Telegram call channel and all that shit. And what most people don't know is that the public one, the one that's being promoted is that's the exit liquidity. That there is yep. a private group that influencers and insiders are in that will find the project, they'll buy in, and then they'll make the call and one does like a two or three X and they all fucking dump on those people that pumped it. So uh, that's like another thing you gotta be uh, cognizant of if you're fucking with shit coins, mean coins, all that stuff. Anything that started out with a 0.1 uh, Ethereum liquidity, like like it's not meant to last. Um, so yeah, that's our big crypto scam of the week segment. Now we're going on to our big thing that rich people are ruining on the internet <laughs> segment, which is about um, fandom. Yep. The the Fourth Reich of fandom <laughs> buying out GameSpot, Metacritic, TV Guide. Jesus, TV Guide. TV Guide is TV nothing guide. sacred. Nothing yeah. sacred. Fanatical. Uh, Screen junkies. Game facts. Giant bomb. bomb. Some other shit that I can't read. Cord cutters and comic vines. So that is a huge acquisition. Really bizarre. So if you're not familiar with what fandom is. I have heard that fandom in Wakia is like where games, journals, and people go to slit their wrists. <laughs> you're not wrong. So fandom touts itself as the, uh, the world's largest fan platform. So what they do is is they buy up these sites and they turn them into shells of themselves, essentially. Hollow them up. Yeah. It's like internet gentrification. It really is. They are 
responsible for a lot of the fan wikis yeah. for various communities for video games. So Halo Infinite, you know, whatever game you can think of. Halo. Yeah, Undertale. Even your indie darlings. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have an entire fandom wiki for Game of Thrones. They have an entire fandom wiki for fucking Golden Girls. So, yeah. And I'm quoting here from their own press materials. Build communities on our platform for just about every movie, TV show, video game, or cultural phenomenon out there. Mm -hmm. Which is true. I did look this up. I went through. I'm like, okay, is there one for Evangelion? Yep. There's you know there, there's a fandom site for pretty much everything they do. Was there one for like Fat Man or like yeah? Pink? There was a yeah. That was one of the early ones. I don't think those episodes have have come out. They uh, they will be released <clears throat> once um, the U.S. gives us our, our uh, weapons deal. <laughs> once we get that sweet sweet cash. Uh, but yeah, they, they, they document, you know, uh, 40 million pages of content. I mean, just on their header alone, we've got Zelda, we've got Hunter x Hunter, we've got Riverdale, Breaking Bad. They claim that 350 million people worldwide go, go deeper via their platform. But what the problem with fandom is that every site that they create is so heavy with ads, it's so unusable at a certain point that like there's no point in going there and we wanted to bring up specifically game facts because game facts game faqs short for frequently asked questions game facts has been a mainstay for anyone who has wanted to get into retro gaming for anyone who has wanted to dig into a super deep rpg yeah it, game facts was, um, I think, for a lot of people like like around our age, probably one of the first like actually reliable gaming websites. It was probably Game Facts, Game Sages. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, which was uh, an offshoot of IGN. But you say IGN themselves. Mm-hmm. Game Spy. Game, game Spy was another one. And well, Game Spot was one of those as well. Yeah. So, um, but Game Facts was like, yeah, if you wanted like a really in-depth, passionately written walkthrough for Castlevania Symphony of Night, Final Fantasy Seven, Valkyrie Profile, you know, any one of those deeper games that that required a little bit of handholding. And believe it or not, a number of people got their break in the games journalism by having their game facts like reprinted in like Tips and Tricks or EGM2 and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So like, you know, game facts has been a big part of gaming culture or history online for, gosh, better part of two decades. Originated in November 5th, 1995. Created by Jeff Vase, who went by the screen name CJC. Uh, at the time, it was called the Video Game Fact Archive. It was hosted by AOL, and it was a clone slash spinoff of the popular FTP FAQ archive. In December of the following year, so that was 1996, the site was still young, but... By that time, they had gotten to about 
a thousand FAQs, which again, uh, frequently asked questions, and guides combined over the many systems in 96 that were available. That was the PlayStation, that was the Sega Saturn, the uh, N64, the 3DO, the Genesis, the SNES, other systems going back you know, as far as they could go. 97, they had a redesign. You know, uh, one was customized for browsers that had frames, which was a new thing. I was just gonna say this is probably one of those websites where you could click frames. Yeah, frames. Yeah, buddy. And the other one, of course, was with no frames. They always stuck to black, white, and blue. By April of '96, the site had 1,301 files and codes for over 800 games. New features started cropping up, things like user requests. So if you were stuck on a Final Fantasy VII bit, you could say, hey, I need to get past the ultimate weapon. And someone would reply, you know, via a forum post or whatever. You know, a search engine was on there. Next year, it went to non-AOL servers. So they actually moved off AOL. Went to... IGN, which at the time was called the Imagine Games Network. Yeah, I remember this. That basically became VZ's full-time job. He quit whatever work he was doing on the side to actually run GameFAQs full-time. He was a guy who was in radio... He was a guy who had done various other, you know, comms jobs and done stuff for, for, for MassCom. It started to really, really snowball. And by the time, you know, 99 came around, they had sidebars and tables and, you know, the color scheme changed and whatever. But they were still under IGN. And then 2001, the site left IGN. They got sold to a nonprofit. So CNET. Oh, God. Uh, so CNET began affiliating CNET. themselves. September 2001, you know, they started taking ads off. There, there was a lot of interesting stuff that was happening kind of all around the time. And it really coincided, too, with the tech bubble of 98, 99 bursting. They had their own message boards, which started to almost rival their competitors, which, again, they had moved away from IGN, so they were doing stuff with CNET. They, they had started to take on an identity of their own. And even as of, like, I can tell you, as of last year, I went on to GameFAQs and I found something for Persona 5 Royal, which I was still working on at the time. What really impressed me about, about GameFAQs is that those people who went on there really got into the nitty-gritty and sat there and, and you know wrote all these extremely well-formatted articles... You know, and then, then they were doing it for the love of the game. Yeah, there's ASCII art. Oh, the ASCII art, yeah. That was a big feature to me, because, I mean, I even put it on, on Twitter earlier. Uh, I know, Shai, you got there some uh, ASCII art for uh, Crow Trigger, the seminal Squaresoft RPG for the Super Nintendo. What year was that released in 1995? Uh, let's see, 99 was when this particular fact came out. Oh. Um, so the game itself, yeah, was probably a couple of years earlier. I'm just a... Uh, Simple dub, reading RPG, loving country lawyer. That looks like some good ass y'all to me, son. It does indeed. So the Twitter user at uh, Sean Kiv uh, back in 2021 wrote this post, and it says, quote, Dudes, 
who wrote game facts guides that opened with ASCII art that looked like this, and it was the Chrono Trigger uh, uh, one, yeah. were the monastic scribes and illuminators of the early 2000s. You could say that these guys had Gorilla Grip pussy. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the, that <laughs> shit was... <laughs> that, that shit was gripping. If, if you could sit there and, and figure out how to ASCII art the Chrono Trigger logo, logo yeah, and present half a meg's worth of detailed instructions on how to play the game, you were a king shit of fuck mountain. Yeah, and this, like, this comes from... Maybe you're old enough to remember this. This is a little bit before my time. You're not that much older than me, but with the way that internet moves, it can happen. Yeah. But wasn't there like a movement similar to this? It was called like ANSI or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, see, I remember seeing... Yeah. Yeah. Some, some guys doing DMT and saying each other weird shit on Usenet of like Bill the Cat wearing a gladiator's helmet. <laughs> So yeah, there there was a bit of a war between ANSI and ASCII. Oh man, have I have we? Yeah, have we've we, like, really on something that could be its own topic. That could be, but yes, uh, there, there was a a large debate between ANSI and ASCII. But the long and short of it was that ASCII won because it didn't require any special anything, and it was all easily accessible via. Any text editor could make ASCII art. So that was what we wound up with. And what we wound up with was some really great stuff. I even have, to this day, a Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne, which was the third game in the Shin Megami Tensei main series. I only recently started playing that because a remaster came out, but I still had bookmarked the game facts sight from it um, and it still has some pretty dope uh, Ian Ian underscore Kelly made the ASCII art Ooh, making it nice. it does and so you know you still can pull up these things but now your beautiful simplistic minimalistic plain text uh, walkthroughs with tasteful ASCII art will be filled with Autoplay videos, <laughs> uh, ads that come from the top and the bottom, with and when you try to X them out, they create a new window, <laughs> and you know it's like, um, folks, if you ever accidentally download a LimeWire virus onto the family computer, that's basically what's going to happen to all of these websites. If yeah, we had to guess. Yeah, let me just show you what's going to happen. I just had this happen to me earlier this year. You were talking about playing the game Deathloop. So, the Deathloop Fanatic site is god awful. For a recent game, you know, just something that where you should be able to pull up relatively simple information. It's buried under text. It's buried under links. It's there's there's a lot of things that just crush your usability anytime that you go onto one of these fanatic sites so what's interesting though is that that group also bought fanatic coal now i don't know how familiar you are with this because i don't know how much of a pc gamer you are oh i well was pretty much a pc gamer until um i got the xbox okay so fanatical used to be known as Green Man Gaming. Oh, wait, wait. I've used Green Man Gaming for many of my gaming deals on PC keys. So, Fanatical... Oh, no, um, this is... Your, your guard hurt me. Yeah. So, 
they're a key reseller. Mm -hmm. So if you want a cheap deal on whatever PC game that you want to get into, Assassin's Creed, Hell That Loose, whatever it is, you're going to go to Fanatical and they have bundles and whatever. So now, Fandom has bought a key reseller. Oh no. Yeah. So they've bought a FAQ site. They have bought a site for reviews, Metacritic. Mm -hmm. They have bought a site for other reviews, GameSpot. You know, the, the Giant Bomb, that's another site for reviews. That's another media company within the gamosphere. So you, you've got all of this consolidation happening around fandom. So fandom has bought three review sites, an a review aggregator site, and a site where you can purchase keys for the games that are being reviewed. Boy, that sounds like a huge conflict of interest, Jason. Kind of does, doesn't it? Uh, and then, and that's that's what's really that's where consolidation is. What this is when the free market stifles creativity, Jason. Yes, sir. I it think Mars had something to say about this. Where he said commodities <laughs> were pee pee poo poo, <laughs> and that the proletariat should uh, do something about it. Yeah, that, that, I think that's what he said that's, between begging Ingalls for money. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, I mean, you've, you've pretty much got it. So, yeah, I dropped out of community college. Yeah. That's all right. Here. Um, <laughs> who could blame you? So, so, that's what's up with that. Vertical integration is killing video games slowly but surely. Um, we are about to enter a very distinct hellhole where, you know, three different review sites are all going to agree on a game that just so happens to be on sale at Fanatical. Uh, very Folks, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? <laughs> folks, you can get this on a two <coughs> DLC for nineteen ninety five. Folks, this is so great. <laughs> and look, it just happens I'm to be a ninety five out of a hundred. This tiny gaming jingle. <laughs> I'm the size of a thimble. <laughs> Tiny gaming Jay Leno. I'm just looking for my gaming white food to put in the trunk of one of my mini cars. <laughs> so Brian, I'm tired of hearing about the the death of uh, capitalism and and the ways in which it's all going to uh, subsume us all in flames. So let's talk about some gross picks. Let's talk about some gross picks. This one's called Pillow Fight. Brian, are you familiar with Pillow Fight? Do I you know what Pillow Jason. Fight is? Uh, please tell me and our uh, equally ignorant listeners about this uh, gross thing. So, courtesy of our friends over at the Screamer Wiki, which we have mentioned in previous episodes, Screamer.wiki. Pillow Fight is a 2002-era image. Um, it is a cropped picture of a man's genitals mm -hmm. covered in feces. Excellent. Uh, while he is uh, jacking it. That's... Yeah. It can also be seen that he has been dipping his penis in a pile of feces in front of him. Now... So I got asked, Jason, where does pillow fighting come into? I have no clue. I think it has to do with much like, much like other ones where. Is that a non sequitur? No, I, th I think it's. I think it's one of those things where it's trying to trick you 
Ah, uh, so like Hello JPEG. Or, yep. It's yeah. trying to trick you into clicking on it. So you think you're going to get a, say, soft core lesbian film. Two girls in satin teddy. Yeah. Hitting each other with feces instead of a man's terrible feces covered penis and a pile of feces that has obviously been penetrated with said penis. Right. Yeah, that's just, I mean. It's a trick. It's a trick. trick. Um, It's a trick that I like. (laughs) I was thinking about this. I I, I don't think I brought this up earlier in the show, but I I wanted to bring this up kind of in the vein of Pillow Fight. Pillow Fight is disgusting on its own, but there was a post, and I, I still, for the life of me, cannot find it. I've been trying to look for it for days. But it was a couple days ago... I guess it was around the 1st of October and it was a post where someone, you know, using an image that looked pretty official and it sounded legit. It was, you know, we're, we're worried about the citizens of such and such city in the month of October, uh, you know, getting things stolen from their homes. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're urging all of our citizens to search the term Hashtag Locktober. Hashtag Locktober to, for more helpful tips. Now, this is an expert level of Twitter trolling. Because when you click on a hashtag, it's going to take you to a search for that right. phrase. Right. And you have no control whatever really that comes up in that search. I think I know where this is going. Yeah. Brian, would it surprise you to know that Locktober is actually related to people uh, locking, especially AMABs and and people with male genitals, locking themselves into a chastity device for the month of October. So, you know, you think that this is the first time I've heard of this? So, a family member of mine had a job at Kinko's in the Castro Okay. Yachts, and one of their roommates who also worked at the Kinko's he was a straight man and all the gay men that worked at this Kinko's would get mad when a straight man was tasked with like archiving vintage gay pornography for a customer hmm. and my family member told me about how their roommate had to archive a bunch of vintage gay pornography that involved master locks oh scrotums oh my so even as a teenager i knew about such a practice but um i didn't realize that there was still i mean you know what people are really creative on the internet i guess i shouldn't be surprised right but the practice of this is not alarming to me. Like, I, I, this has been somewhere in my mind, unfortunately, most of my adult life. <sighs> I have to show him some images from Locktober because that's... The, the, it, just saying it is not... We've got some, we've got some <clears throat> sissies. Mm-hmm. We've got some cucks. Yep. That, does, that looks like someone's weird elbow. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is them pulling their gym shorts down and showing you that they're in a cage. Oh, okay. Um, I okay, see now. Yeah, it's yeah. like one of those things where if you look at it from one side, it's a woman, <laughs> and you look at it from another direction, it's a smiling penis. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and so... So this is for, for subs, sissies. Yep. 
and all kinds of sycophants. Yeah. There's just um <laughs> reblog if you are locked in chastity right now. Yep. So uh, when someone clicks on the uh, hashtag Locktober, this is what they come up with on Twitter. <laughs> uh, at Queen K Mistress, happy Locktober, you pathetic fucks, uh, and so forth and so on. Uh, you know, just uh, and just so you know, whoa, hey. that was uh, that, <laughs> yeah. That, that looked like that looked like a moon crater. So prolapse? No, uh, that is actually someone inserting a flashlight into their rectum. Get out of here! Uh, and and uh, it's at CC Pumps One. <laughs> just, <laughs> just because it's October doesn't mean you can't still use your flashlight. So apparently they were using the uh, the other end of the flashlight. Uh, for insertion purposes, and so now it looks like they have a uh, a pussy in their ass. That's you know, what <laughs> of, of like what comes up when you feel like you have nothing to talk about. Anymore. This what is if it. I just put a fleshlight in my ass, a fleshlight sleeve. Right. I thought that was like a like a like a make up make up prolapse or something. Right. It was it, it was some uh, it was some uh, Ray Winston uh, <laughs> horror special effect. But no, just... no, no. So yes, Locktober has a bunch of rules. By the way, Brian, um, I don't know if you're familiar with these. I am. I'm not. Um... The Locktober rules are as follows, and if anyone. In our listening audience wants to participate, well, here we go. Uh, rules are, one, locked in chastity before midnight September 30. So you are uh, a little bit late there. So this is like uh, No Shave November. It is. Yes, exactly no, right. Yeah. Uh, remain locked 24-7 for the entire month of October. Which, to me, is... I don't know. Like, if, I gotta if pee. If I had to, yeah. I don't know if I could do a day. I gotta like, pee. I, well, I mean, like, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, I guess, I don't know, there's, there's gotta be ways to get, to, to live with it. I mean, this isn't like a new thing. It's, it's it, it can't be because this has clearly been going on for a while. Um, I the, said it was a vintage pornography, so yeah, like. Yeah, but, but, so uh, one of the other uh, bits in this image is to stop and unlock immediately if, one, penis slash testicles become cold to the touch and or discolored. Now, of course, that, that would mean that your, you're your in bad. Real, real dangerous. Uh, grossly swollen. That's a, another one. Um, skin irritation slash burning slash chafing, which does not um, become resolved with lubrication. And the, uh, of course, open wounds. Those are the ones that that's why you would stop and unlock. So I, I'm glad that there is a, uh, a safety segment. There, there has to that. be. Yeah. The, I mean, there, there, there has to be for something like this. I mean, and, and of course, the last bit of text here. Locktober, our participants are not allowed any unlocked personal slash private time. But chastity should not be a harmful act. Personal safety and health must be considered at all times. So. I used to know someone that got invited to like I guess like what you would call like a bunch of like fet lifestyle, uh, you know, like house parties and shit like that. And one time, she uh, was at a house party and she went to use the bathroom to relieve herself, and um, 
she realized that she was not the only person in the bathroom. Oh, no. And she realized that there was someone in the field position in the bathtub. This was someone's sub. Okay. In a very, what sounded like a very hard uh, DS relationship. That they had left in the tub, though? That's. I'm getting there. I'm yeah, getting there. yeah. And so this person asked the individual in the tub, hey, what's going on in there? And uh, they said, Mr. S- maybe just uh, a ball of wine through my ass. Uh, oh, boy. And the, the person I knew asked some further questions and kind of got brick road with, Mr. says I'm not really supposed to talk to anyone. I like, and that story's always stuck with me because I feel like there's some line being crossed. There's levels of abuse happening here. That's that that goes beyond the normal dom sub stuff. I'm sorry, like I, <laughs> you know, I've yeah, that's, I've that's been like, around the block, like, but like that is the equivalent of not picking up your kid from T-ball practice. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you, you've really you've crossed you've, you've crossed a line this, here somewhere. Is this equivalent to child neglect in a non-sexual fashion? Yes. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, it's like is this like you know like. If your sub is going through the equivalent of being a latchkey kid, that's no, bad news. Good. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, that's not good. Don't do that. The the uh, the, the hot the hot dogs thawing <laughs> in the sink, <laughs> thawing in your ass. Oh no! no. <laughs> Mister says I can't get out of the tub until the hot dogs are done. <laughs> so speaking of spectacle, uh, after our. Brilliant exhumation of everything that is kinky online uh, that we just went through, uh, courtesy of our friends at Pillow Fight and the Locktober hashtag. It's time for the breath mint, Brian. What do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, um, I think it is time for the breath mint. Yeah. What, what's been, I, you know, I finally um, beat Deathloop. Oh, fantastic. Great. Finally. And, um,. It is a game that goes on just a touch longer than it's supposed to, doesn't it? I felt like it was about the right length. Yeah. You get all the visionaries in the one run, and boy, it really... It just has that moment of almost anticlimax. Yeah, that was the thing that kind of bummed me out, was getting everything lined up and figuring out... Because it doesn't hold your hand no. past doing the individual things to set the pieces in play. It doesn't tell you, okay, now you have to go back and you right. have to kill Harriet. And now in the afternoon, you mm-hmm. have... Or kill mm-hmm. Harriet and set up the hatches to kill Frank and then and, and things like that. Like you have to, kill Wenji, you yeah. have to at least sit there and think, like, okay... I think I've done all this. Now, how would I get everyone lined up? So, um, so there's that. Um, but I found the ending to be very anticlimactic and very disappointing. Yeah. Um, and in the Golden Loop release, they did add some material to one of the endings, but I don't know if it's really meaningful at all. Um, what is it that they added? So, if you get the bad ending yeah um where you're you the loop is has been ended and you're this post-apocalyptic hellscape kind of thing and you kill Juliet. you kill Juliet or juliana juliana sorry so the ad material is that all of like the visionaries kind of like wake up Mm-hmm. and realize that the loop has been disturbed and some of them are 
into it, some of them aren't, and um, Cole kills a few of them, but ultimately it ends with Cole and some of the Eternalists and someone that has like their own new character model that I did not recognize, and I feel like maybe that was someone I missed through the playthrough. They take 2-Bit, put it in the back of the uh, fucking weird Subaru Brute uh, fucking vehicles <laughs> we find all around the, uh, the island, right. and they just drive off into the wasteland. I thought it was oddly anticlimactic for a game that really built its own mythology and built up all these little characters. Um, I thought it was pretty disappointing. It yeah. didn't live up to how much fun I had with all the little bits of story and within all that. Um, generally, it's probably the most fun I've had with a game in some respects, probably since Undertale. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, I, I actually have like a litmus test for modern AAA games, and it's, um, is it more fun than playing uh, Shut Up and Jam 2 Gaiden? <laughs> you know? Which is a tall order. Um, but that made me think of a, a thing that I was really been obsessing about. And this was right after my COVID isolation ended. Is I started watching, I went through my Plex server and I started watching the weirdest movies I could find. Yeah. Usually most of them French. Mm-hmm. And, and this oh, one yeah. got me uh, Titania. Are you oh, familiar you with this movie? Seen the, the I hadn't until this past week. I had not seen Titania. It is a movie based off of a music video for local rich kids that didn't want to let you know they were rich kids. Uh, the Living Things. Yes. Their music video where some guy fucks a Dodge Charger. That's right. And no, I don't actually know the truth. I, I am for all being truthfully as far as I know. Yeah, so um, you, you've got a, a really, a really interesting concept. So a young girl experiences a traumatic injury during a car wreck, um, grows up to be an exotic dancer. She's exotic dancing all over the hoods of these cars one night. She comes out of her dressing room and fucks a car. Um, and, and it kind of was like doing like some serial killer shit. Yeah, there's a weird vibe to it. Like it's almost a Cronenberg type of deal. It's almost like Cronenberg's Crash. Mm-hmm. And, and it's that sort of movie that when like I told my ex I had watched it without her, I was like in the doghouse for like a fucking week. Well, and I'm kind of on her side on that one because it's such a phenomenal strange conceptual it's it's very french we're still here in the states uh, mourning the death of godard so like his influence is there mm-hmm. there's so many other influences though like there's a lot of lynch stuff in there there's a lot of stuff where you can pinpoint any number of of classic film directors i mean even as far back as bergman doing persona in the 60s the way titan just delivers it. I, it was uh, a movie that from front to back I was engrossed. I was just the f- where the fuck is this Where is going? this going? Yeah, exactly. I, I had that same feeling. It, it's uh, it's a movie that this just feels like it, it's torturing itself. The movie doesn't know what it wants to be. 
The movie doesn't know where it wants to go. It doesn't have a moral compass. No, at all. No. I don't even know if it's. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know if it's fair to say if it's like nihilistic either. No, because it has a moral center. The one movie that it made me think of actually was another movie that really took me by surprise: A Demon Lover. Have you seen this movie, Demon Lover? I have heard of it. Didn't it just didn't that just come out? No, Demon Lover is is uh, at least early two thousands, uh, two thousand two. French again. Okay. Um, uh, that was uh, Chloe Sevigny was in it. Was one of her pre Brown Bunny movies. Um, you had Sonic Youth doing the music. Okay, um, this is sounding familiar. My knowledge, you're talking to the wrong son, unfortunately, <laughs> for French film. I, I should be better about this. Okay, I'm going to check that out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Demon Lover, it's this esoteric story about uh, like German uh, fetish porn, but it's also about... Uh, it's it's so many layers. Apparently, they, they had to cut the movie before it went to Cannes. And, anyway, Demon Lover, highly recommended. Tatane had that same vibe, though. It was this this odd, unsettling thing that was happening. And you're just watching it unfold in front of you, and you just, you're powerless to stop it. So that's how I felt kind of about Midsummer. that you're kind of oh. on this, you're kind of like almost on this... You're on a journey. This, this, this yeah. Disney ride yeah. of horrors and ennui. Which and explains your Florence Pugh obsession, by the way. <laughs> oh! <laughs> So, just the the suffering that she goes through as an individual in that film, and having to deal with the emotions of her family's death, and her lackluster boyfriend, oh. who is trying to do the right thing, but he's too much sort of, a of? He's yeah. trying to, but he he's not a good enough person, right? And I it, when she's in that flower getup mm-hmm. and she's pouting at the house at the ceremonial like temple house yeah. going up in flames I just always felt like that was such a powerful shot yeah. and you know and you know eventually it comes back to her and she's starting to show the, the beginning of a smile and right yeah. um, I think it's just very powerful um Filmmaking, and that's a movie that we saw the theatrical run, and then oh, wow. we, and then um, when the director's cut was in the theater very shortly. <laughs> well, shit, we gotta go see that. Again. Yeah, I, I think it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, and I've seen the first time I saw Hereditary, I thought it was really good. Yeah, the second time and the third time I saw it, I liked it even more. I feel like um, it's disrespectful to talk about Ari Aster's work without talking about the strange thing about the Johnsons, which is something he did with grant money or something along those lines mm-hmm. from AMC. Huh. He decided to make the most transgressive horror short that he could. Huh. Uh, Jason, I see you're, you're reading the storyline. Yeah, I, I have to because I, I confess I have not seen this. I am a big fan of Ari Aster's work, but I, I can tell you for sure I've never seen this. It is masterful. Oh, man. And uh, has some really amazing performances in it, and some just terrifying moments. Hmm. 2011. Uh, 2011. Wow. So the AFI. AFI. That's what it was. Fantastic. He took the AFI money. Yeah. Instead of doing like some pay by numbers, <laughs> like 
like paranormal activity thing. He's like, right. I'm just going to make the most offensive thing I can get away with, which is a horror film about a man who gets sexually abused by his own adult son. Fantastic. I think. Look. <laughs> As much as as much as I disagree with you know the content itself, I think the idea that you're you're doing something so transgressive as we talked about before, yes, that in and of itself is like wow. Okay, you took the AFI's money and, and you just made like the most. <clears throat> let's I mean, do there, it. There yeah. are some performances and some scenes in that short that have stuck with me. Sure, the phrase. You know how I feel about locked doors. Oof. Will never be. I mean, just even out of context, the phrase carries a little bit of, you know. Oh, it's, uh, yeah. it's terrifying. Yeah. So, yes, uh, I think it's on YouTube. Okay. And you can watch it. And I'm going to uh, have to do that. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Uh, the strange thing about the Johnsons, fantastic. Yeah. A little incredibly uh, upsetting short. I can't remember the last time I rewatched Hereditary. I think it was the last year or so. And it was like, oh, I'm, I feel like I'm really starting to understand this now. I think it's not necessarily dense or obtuse. No. I think if it catches you in the wrong mood, it's a really hard film to resonate with. Yeah, because I think what really got me when I first saw Hereditary, there's a big shock moment about an hour into the film we all know it if you've seen the movie you know what I'm talking about there, but there's these other moments that are smaller not that they're less offensive or right. that they're whatever but they're unsettling right but they pale in comparison to this big shock moment it's kind of like when spoiler alert for a 20 year old movie but when you see The Sixth Sense and when you hear Cole tell the, the doctor that, that you know he's a, ghost. he's a ghost it's almost on that level of you start to see the pieces of the film fall into place you're, you're following someone through a hall and you see a symbol on the wall mm-hmm. and the symbol corresponds to something else later in the movie and that's when it clicks for you and you go, oh, so it's a movie that rewards repeat viewings. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I recommend uh, going back. I've talked, maybe not on this show, but I've talked uh, previously about how one of my favorite authors is William Gibson. Mm-hmm. So William Gibson wrote a novel a couple years back called The Peripheral. And that is getting an adaptation via TV series, uh, which is coming out in about let's see when is this episode coming out it's going to be coming out very soon after this episode is out uh, the peripheral is about a post-apocalyptic uh, future where you know people living in slums take on odd jobs for rich people in an alternate future and so yeah. it's 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 an interesting concept. It's a Gibson book. I always want to see those, you know, adapted. The last one I saw was, of course, Johnny Mnemonic. So <laughs> it's been a while. Well, yeah, I'll have to look forward to that. Yeah, for sure. Good. And speaking of horror movies, since yeah. we are in early October. Oh, it's Spooky Month. Yeah, baby. It's Spooky Month. Ooh. Ooh. It's the time to pee-pee and poo-poo your mm, pants. Because, <laughs> because ghosts happen. <laughs> I'm the ghost. I'm going to make you fill your pants with feces. And piss and cum. And piss and cum. <laughs> it's going to be really awkward. 
<laughs> no one's going to like you. I'm the... I'm the... the I'm the pee pee poo poo cum man. I'm I don't know. Pee pee poo poo cum man. Uh, I, I, I was handing out fresh loads to all the children in the housing project. No loads cops, refused. And the, and, and the racist cops killed me. So if you say load man three times in the mirror, I, I appear and bust on you until you die. No loads refused. Yeah. <laughs> So hypothetically, yeah, if you were invited to a pimped out spectral, <laughs> no those refused come dump, and the spectral refusing the spectral receiving bottom had blocked you from the ethereal plane, is it sus or not to show up? It is because you were blocked. That's it. No. Well, well, you so what know what? If I, what if I, what if I conduct a séance to bring in the spirit so I can? Oh, uh, you oh know what? Boy. You know what? It said no loads refused. No loads refused. No That's loads it. Refused. Oh jeez. <laughs> so, speaking of spooky movies. Yeah. Oh, let's uh, hear him. Boy, the the, uh, the 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 election. Uh, no. Hey, it follows. Oh yeah. I I uh, rewatched that. Fantastic. Uh, early summer, I was watching a friend's house, and a I just like was killing some time, and I was like, oh, this is on Netflix, and. I saw that in theaters. I think I was one of the few people I knew to mm. actually see it in the theater. Even I know some hardcore horror nerds that, yeah. that could get to the theaters in time and before it left. Yeah, I missed and, it. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I was just like, oh, holy shit, you can still do new stuff in horror yeah. films. And yeah, yeah. I have probably watched that film five or six times. And mm. every time, like, there's just a little something else, either in like the mood mm. or how the way that the the actors and actresses were you know like the, how the blocking is done to right. make it look more natural that they can't probably see a guy in a green suit or mm-hmm. something like that yeah so wow we are just we're talking tonight we're cruising right along brother this is about the time of the program where we give you info about how you can reach us if you are a junior analyst at the CIA <laughs> or any of the other ABC, uh, you know what? We're hard up for any attention. So if you Hook need me someone up. to do anything, anything, you need someone running guns, you need someone to um, receive materials, to be coerced into something, uh, to be entrapped. If you want to send me death threats and other similar wanted <laughs> messages, you can harass me at iShotGeedyBoard. That's G-U-I-D-B-O-R-D on Instagram and ye old Twitter. Um, if you want to check out my photography, my portfolio is assholemusicphotographer.com. Uh, my cohort here, Jason, if you want to tell him um, he smells bad, <laughs> bad dick, uh, his at on Twitter is Video Crime. Yep. Um, you can reach us. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jason, you got to do the rest of this. That's right. At uh, four eight minutes of dogs barking, and that is our Twitter handle. Four eight minutes of dogs barking at gmail.com and our phone number. If you want to leave us a voicemail or send us a text message, that's three one four ahoy. 
Pooh. And if you don't know how to spell with your telephone, that's 314-246-9766. Once again, 314-246-9766. By the way, I would be remiss without mentioning a super fan of the show. Yes. A gentleman by the name of Ken, who is a longtime friend of mine. He's reached out to me as well. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Sweet man. He's a sweet man. He has now, by, by now, gone back and listened to all the episodes of the program and told us what a good job we're doing. So if you want to join that chorus of sycophants. And well-wishers. There we go. That is the place to do it. 314-246-9766. So we're going to leave you with a, a little bit of something that I was shocked to find out was still happening. It's being called Kula Shaker. Brian, do you remember Kula Shaker? I can't see that, dude. What, oh my god! What are these hip kids all about, Jason? Lay it on me, Daddy O. Cooler Shaker was a, a band that was kind of a big deal in the '90s. They have a brand new album out called Ooh. First Congregational Church of Eternal Love and Free Hugs." The song that we're about to play from it is a psych rock masterpiece called "Whatever It Is." I'm against it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that about does it for the program. Thanks so much for hanging out with us at 40 Minutes Dogs Barking. And as we always say at this time, namaste, motherfucker. Bye. Bye. Bye.